Welcome to the FPL USA Press Play Podcast. We are your hosts, Bucks, Brian, and Blackwolf, bringing you some top banter, hot takes, and the best guests. So before we get into it, Brian, Blackwolf, say hi to our lovely listeners. It's good to be here after an abysmal game week. I need some therapy. I need a nice leather couch to vent on, and hopefully... You guys who are on Green Arrows can lift my spirits because this weekend was a disaster. Absolutely fucking shambolic, but it is what it is and the show must go on. Dan, how you doing? Yeah, after that shit show yesterday on Monday, we're actually lucky that I even showed up today, to be honest. I almost stayed at home. Love that. All right. As Brian alluded to, it was a dark and dreary game week for most FPL managers, especially the engaged ones. And since we're all about good vibes here on the podcast, we recruited a true star in the community to join us as a guest host. So we hope that our special guest is going to brighten and lighten the mood here for all of us in the FPL USA community and all of our lovely listeners who follow along to this humble podcast. So with that out of the way, let's give a warm welcome, an FPL USA red carpet welcome to our guest host, Andy also known as at FPL Mode. How you doing, man? I'm doing very well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Excited for you to be here. I've been a long time subscriber to the videos, especially on Scouts, and then love your appearances on Black Box whenever you can mix it up with those guys. So we're excited to hear about how your season is going so far and then throw a couple interview questions for some of the FPL USA managers who might not be as familiar with your body of work, but it is an impressive body. It could go right on there with <laughs> Dan's OnlyFans account. I was going to say, tell my wife that. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's like I said, it's a pleasure to be on here. I think, to be honest, I didn't have a choice in the end because obviously Dan did me an absolute solid and took a picture of himself by a pumpkin patch for me. So I had to come on, didn't I? He had no choice but to come on. He had to say yes. <laughs> I mean, this is one of uh, Dan's alter egos. He's got at FPL Black Wolf, and then he's also got at FPL Blackmail as his other burner account. So that's what (laughs) he is doing to provide the hijinks and get you on the show. (laughs) It works. It works. So a few introductory questions for you. Just want to get into a few of the teams that you support and some of your FPL history. So Let's just start from the get-go here. What's one of your most memorable Premier League games you've ever attended? Uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm from down south of England, so I don't get to go to a lot of Premier League games. I'm a Man United fan, so I've been to watch Man United a few times. Uh, I went to watch... my Probably my most memorable game was the first game I watched, which was when uh, we won 3-2 and I was about 10. Uh, and I can remember watching that game. And I, I to be honest, I, I can kind of remember who played, but not massively. But I can remember we won 3-2, so that was massive. It was against Chelsea before they got taken over. Uh, but apart from that, the team I watch the most now is Bournemouth. So I get to go to Bournemouth quite a bit, and I get to see a lot of their games. So I get to see a lot of teams playing uh, against Bournemouth, which is quite nice. But it kind of it ruins me a little bit because I always want to have players playing in that game. So I'm like, oh, shall I get Dominic Solanke in this week? Shall I get, you know, Christie? Shall I get Tavernier? And it's like, no. <laughs> but I, I, feel do, like, I do quite like it. Yeah. I feel like that's got captaincy written all over it for the opposing team coming to travel to Bournemouth. Exactly. I watched uh, West Ham demolish him 4-0 last year. So if I'd have uh, invested in 4 now, it would have been all right. But yeah, no, it's, it's good. But uh, yeah, those are probably the biggest ones. And then 
apart from that, obviously going to watch uh, Yeovil, but they're obviously in National League South now, so I, I don't think they'll be in the Prem anytime soon. I love that. Unfortunately, both the teams, it sounds like you support most strongly, are having uh, rubbish starts to the season in Manchester United and Bournemouth. But uh, we'll we'll paper over that for now. Andy, tell <laughs> us, what's your best ever FPL finish? Uh, so my best ever FPL finish was 15K. Uh, Amazing. So I finished, fi- so I finished 15K um, the year before I joined Twitter, which uh, is another story altogether. Since I joined Twitter, they haven't been quite so good. But yeah, no, 15K is my best one. I'm the same. My rank has got considerably worse since I joined yeah. Twitter. So I'm blaming yeah, the community. Guys like you, who I listen yeah. to, and give me bad advice. <laughs> to be fair, though, the community has definitely stepped up their game. Obviously, there's so yeah. much content out there, like this podcast, and we're trying to help grow the game in USA. And uh, yeah, managers are definitely clued in. They know who the differentials are and making it more and more difficult to get into that elite top 10K finish. So, um, you know, right now we actually have Bucks, who is absolutely flying to start the season. He is in the top 14K overall. And so he's helping stand up this pod um, and really make up for my lack of points in the overall ranks, whereas uh, Black Wolf is doing pretty well, too. So I'm just curious from you know your perspective as the game, you know, it's the global game that everybody loves. You know, what are your thoughts on the game growing in America and how many more untapped players that we might have as the years roll on here? Yeah, do, do you know what? Because I play an awful lot of um, NFL fantasy. Like, I absolutely love NFL fantasy. I'm in so many leagues, dynasty leagues and all that kind of stuff. And I think wow. the the biggest difference and the biggest thing that I've noticed is the the league is ju- the the season is just so long compared to NFL and like NFL obviously it's over within kind of sixteen weeks especially fantasy obviously because it doesn't go in the playoffs whereas FPL you have to be on it for thirty eight weeks and it just takes so long and I think that's the biggest difference and it's it's hard enough in England to keep players invested and you know I think is it about 70 percent by the end of the year are go ship teams where people aren't <laughs> actually managing them anymore yeah so exactly. I, that, that is the biggest thing for me. And I think if they could, I know they do a second half league, which I know people are quite invested in and they enjoy doing that. But I think if they somehow did short burst leagues, I think people would get way more invested. So like, you know, first 10 weeks of the season, get people into it, get them a taste into it and then kind of go on from there. People would do it. But I think that's the biggest thing that's kind of stopping people from investing too much at the moment. I think they should revisit how they do the cups in FBR. I was thinking if, because the cups are kind of pointless right now. They should do like a, a free hit team every week. I think that would keep yeah, yeah. a lot of managers engaged doing something like that. Because right now it's just a long and dreary season for a lot of people. And that's why we see a lot of people give up. With that being said, we are part of the hardcore managers always tinkering 24-7 with our teams and worrying about our flags and trying to figure out who the next move will be. So I know a lot of us will have two free transfers going into game week 12, and hopefully that will buoy our spirits after this game week 11, which was just just astonishing. I cannot believe the scores we're seeing around the community. Some barely even cracking 15 points, uh, just, just truly in an abysmal game week. So, you know, from your perspective, you crushed this game week. So I think let's jump into that and uh, you can tell the listeners how your game week went and who the heroes were. Oh, there were some heroes. Yeah. So uh, lots of zeros, ones and twos, like an awful lot of people. Uh, I had Bowen and Gordon, who both got me goals. Gordon went up front for a little bit, scored a goal within about 30 seconds of going up front. Bowen, who was 
a great pick on my wild card in the end. Uh, has got a few goals before his lovely fixture run. And then my absolute hero was Tyreek Mitchell with 15 points, scoring in the 94th minute to get me 15. And I mean, this is where FPL can be an absolute game of luck as well. I didn't pick him thinking he was going to be scoring a goal for me in, in this abysmal game week, but he did. And I'm going to remember him getting me 15 points for all the time I play FPL now. So, Mitchell Madness. Andy, you you must you mentioned you love NFL. So right now it's both Tyreeks are tearing it up because I know know Tyreek Hill is like setting the league on fire as the number one NFL wide receiver. And I mean, to get 15 points from a differential pick, that is like when you just go buy a lottery ticket. That must be such a good feeling spiking 15 points when some managers don't even have 15 points in their whole team. That is like you just got to buy, buy, buy all your lotto tickets. Oh, literally. And you say that about Tyreek as well. When I went to go write the tweet saying how much I loved him, I wrote T-Y-R-E-E-K because I was like, oh, it must be Tyreek. And of course, it's not. It's Tyreek. It's, it's pronounced it? differently. I, like, I just, my head was in Tyreek. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but no, no, no. It's like I said, it, it's so lucky in the grand scheme of things because I got him because he was the cheaper one. I wanted Anderson, basically. But there you go. It happens. And obviously, like I said, I'll remember this for years. <laughs> Especially when everyone else is having a shitty game week to get a 15-pointer, which outscored one of your uh, friendly co-host managers as he's one of the good guys in the community. He ended up on 11 points. So just to have one player outscore a whole team is truly incredible. I know, big time. And it made me think an awful lot. There was a a poll that went out not that long ago saying how... um, uh, would you rather have 40 points when everybody else has 20 or would you rather have 90 when everybody else has 80? Everybody goes for the 90 thinking that's the better thing. But obviously you'll, you'd much rather have 20 more points than the average, wouldn't you? So I was very, very happy to get 41 points this week. Yeah, it's all relative, really. If you're getting 20 points more than everyone else, even if it's a low scoring game week, you've got to be happy. I'm sure it was a, a green arrow for you. Yeah, so uh, 300k it was, so I'm up to 500k now. Lovely, lovely. All right, let's pass it over to Bucks, who also had a very high score. And like I said before, he is flying. This guy should own his own airlines. He is into the top 14K. So Bucks, where does your plane take off from and where is it going to land this season? Uh, I'm dreaming of definitely my best ever finish, but there's still lots of time for me to screw it all up. That's for sure. But this game week wasn't that moment. I get 41 points and a nice green arrow. I was about, I think 50, 15 K, excuse me, coming into this game week. I had a small green arrow, but I'll take any green or gray arrows. As long as I can maintain my hot streak right now, coming out of my game week, seven wild card, I now have green arrows in every single game week since that decision. So I'm really on a heater right now. And 41 points is really all thanks to four players. I have Trippier, Bowen, Slabhead Maguire, and Anthony Gordon. And there's a lot of disappointments elsewhere in my team. But just to have four returns, that's more than most. So I'll I'll take it and run with it all the way to the bank. Man, it pains me to fucking give you a golf clap every single week because anything you touch is turning to gold. I mean, even bringing in Maguire to free up funds a couple weeks ago, and then you start them this week, seven points in a low scoring game week, just massive, especially with that 4.2 million pound price tag. So well done to you, Bucks. Let's kick it over to recap Black Wolf's pending green arrow that turned into a red after the you doggy just shit show. So Dan, floor is yours. 
Yeah, I was super happy on Sunday night going into Monday on 30 points, thinking, oh, I'm a guaranteed a green arrow here because everyone else was on like 10, 11, 12. And I had Udogi to play and Madison to play. And I stupidly put out a tweet saying, oh, I have differential Udogi. I'm going to get a green arrow. Who's hoping for a mega haul like me? And then, of course, he gets a minus four and Madison comes off injured for a one point. So I finish that game on a minus three and go down to 27 points, which netted me a 50k red arrow. So just what Dan, a shit show yesterday was. Dan, that was an all-time Brian Chin jinx moment right there. Ah. He loves doing that like in the 80th minute while we're on a bet together. He's like, oh, I've already, I'm already spending this money on takeout. And then two minutes later, won't you know, the other team scores and blows the bet to smithereens. That's what you did with your tweet. That was the exact equivalent on X. I'm still getting replies as we're speaking from people saying, does he know yet? Um, don't check the, don't, don't check the score. I was like, yes, I, I know. Twist the knife. I watched the game live. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and that game was just utter chaos. I, I can't believe that's how we wrapped up this game week. It was very fitting to have such a crazy VAR ridden game to end a very tough game week for a lot of FPL managers. And then, um, you know, looking forward, I just want to put this game week behind me. I'm going to end this as the low man on the totem pole. Once again, 25 points. I have Gahey with five and Matoma with six. And that is surrounded by a sea of blanks. So very fortunate to even get those Matoma points. Uh, with that being said, you know, there were some Gordon Luck across the community in terms of getting his goal. And I think Mbumu also maybe had a own goal forced for points. So, you know, I'll take the take the uh, Matoma points, but pretty, pretty bad. And I wildcarded game week 10 and two small gray dots. So very, very depressing at the moment. So you guys will have to bring me out of the abyss, the deep, dark abyss. The Kraken has got a hold of me and I cannot seem to escape from these red arrows. Maybe you're trapped under the uh, amazing British bodies that we have on this podcast, uh, you know, just trying to get up for air. But the, there's just such a great man meat that's uh, holding you down, something like that. <laughs> wow, man meat. That's a, that's a new one for the pod. We haven't had that phrase uttered yet. So let's go now to the average score this week, which was 32 points. Wow, I'm below the average by quite a margin. So is Dan, but you two are soaring above that. So well done. Let's just give some of our listeners some solace about what happened this game week. I know this was an extremely triggering game week and a really difficult one for many managers. And the beauty of FPL is that once it's done, it's done. You don't have to look at this game week ever again. You're looking ahead now. Start picking your team for game week 12 and just move on. Hug someone you love. Watch a show you love. Make a meal you love. Go for a walk. Don't dwell on this hobby when it's going bad. When it's going good, sure, you know, bathe in it, soak it in. But when it's going shit, just just log off. That's that's my best advice here. Um, I'm not in the pits right now. That's more my co-host, Brian. But again, don't let this FPL game put you on tilt. It's not worth it. Bucks, you didn't mention one of the other vices, which is alcohol. I was going to just fill up my bathtub with some uh, bourbon and just drown myself in it, but... I was able to stomach it and uh, get into this next game week. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. And yeah, like you said, we're going to put this one behind us. Don't ever scroll back and look at your scores. And it's just something that's kind of comical. I think Dan and I were talking about this offline, like 
as much time as we invest into this game and how many pro pundits there are out there. Everyone is due a really shitty game week at one point or another, and hopefully this is the worst one of the season. I'm into that. Let's take our first break. When we come back, we'll dive into the action in game week 11. And we're back. Let's go through and rewind and take a look at some of the happenings around the Premier League in game week 11. And let's start with some of the quick hitters. Where do we start here, Bucks? Let's go to the goal scorers. There weren't many. So we should shout out the forwards who actually did their job and put the ball in the back of the net. Andy, want to shout out the guys who actually got some goals in that position? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there's not many of them. Cameron Archer scored an absolute screamer. Mope got his first goal since he's been back at Brentford. And Nicholas Jackson managed to get a hat trick against nine men's spurs. That wasn't too bad, was it? I loved it. I loved it. Every second of it, I loved it. <laughs> yep. Bucks is a big Chelsea supporter. I'm a medium supporter of Chelsea. Been a bit pessimistic over the last couple of seasons, but great to see Chelsea win and get three points because they have a tough fixture run coming up. And Palmer is another man from that match that you have to shout out. He converts his third penalty of the young season so far, nearly got blocked, but then goes off the post and back into the net. And then he also sets up a easy goal later for Jackson. So 12 pointers for him. So anybody who got him at 4.95 million, they're feeling very good about him in their side. And Hey, when you're on pens, you can get that haul in any game, really. So he's going to be a great option, especially when we're looking at their fixtures turning come around game week 16. So he's definitely firmly on my watch list and a great enabler to have in your side. Dan, Andy, interested in your take. I know there's a lot of discussion about missing the bandwagon. Do you think there's still time to jump on Cole World's hype train? Yeah, I think it makes total sense to jump on him at any point. I think, like Brian said, game week 16 is the time that their fixtures really turn, and he's the asset to have. However, he's he's shown that he can return against anyone. His XG and his XA are really, really high. So I don't mind putting him in at any point right now, especially if you need the funds to upgrade elsewhere. However, I do like yeah. going for someone like Eze, to be honest, or Matoma or Mbwemo as well. So what do you think, yeah. Andy? I completely agree with you. I think you can move on him early knowing that that fixture runs coming. So from game week 16 all the way to game week 24, to be honest, you could keep him. I know the impending uh, Nkunku revival is coming at some point, but I mean, there's so many fixtures between now and when he could potentially come back that I think Palmer's a fine player. You know, um, Brian said it just then about people on penalties. If they're on penalties, it doesn't matter how well he's playing, even though he's playing very well he can still get you that goal, you know, against Spurs last night. I know it was a bit of a kind of extraneous one, but he, he, you know, he was playing well before that anyway. So I think he's a fine player to get in. I do think the next two fixtures are tough though. He's got Man City and then Newcastle away. I don't think the upside is probably there with him compared to a Matoma or an Mbumo or a Bowen or an Eze. Like you mentioned Eze, I think it's a really good shout. But I think from game week 16 onwards, you're going to see him be seeing Palmer in an awful lot of teams. And those who went with the Palmer and Crystal Palace defender rotation are looking very well set up for the next couple of game weeks because that's something we'd talked about on the pod and had spotted around the FPL community on X. So that's uh, looking very much like a very solid play. Next up, let's move to the Pentagon. We have a new man in charge, and that is Count Doku. 
he quintuple returned. That's right. That's where the Pentagon reference comes from. Wow. <laughs> this guy was on fire. I cannot believe the performance he put in. 22 whopping points. Congrats to anyone who went with him as their differential. It's been so hard to nail down those players from City. A lot of us had Foden earlier in the season, and he's been unfortunately not in the points when we've owned him. And now Count Doku. What a player. I mean, a great buy from City as well. 50 million pounds just thereabouts. And a young player who seems to really love the atmosphere and those take-ons. He's somebody that is really putting a lot of pressure on Captain Jack. And so it'll be interesting to see how those minutes are split. Tonight we had UCL action. We're recording on Tuesday, November 7th. And Jack started that match and then Doku came on at about the 75th minute mark. So it'll be interesting to see if he is going to be slated for a couple of starts coming up here when City have their tough run with Chelsea away, Liverpool at home, Tottenham at home, and Aston Villa away. So, boys, are we buying the hype train that is one Doku? No, I I personally can't get on board with any Man City attacker other than Haaland because you just don't know about this rotation. We saw, unfortunately, in the community, who was it? I think it was above average FPL who took a minus eight to take Doku out to bring in, I think, was it Foden? Um, Yeah, because of the rotation, then he gets 22 points. But now he could very easily go on a run where he gets 0-1-2 because his XG was quite low that game, surprisingly, even though he got 22 points. So for me, it's just too risky, especially right now where there's going to be a lot of rotation going into the December period. I think you're really looking to get assets who are are nailed on for 90 minutes, which is why I moved early on Mbwema, even though his fixtures aren't great. I just know he's going to play 90 minutes every game, apart from the, the blank in 18, obviously. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree about Doku. I think, I mean, you you mentioned Haaland. Obviously, Alvarez is there as well until De Bruyne is back. He's a, he's a fine asset and he's cheaper as well. But I think there's so many midfielders I want. I'm going to struggle to get Doku into my team. And you look at Haaland, obviously people are worried about Haaland. He put up almost the same XG as Doku and obviously didn't get anything and went off at half time. So Haaland's still there and he's still an elite asset and people are kind of worried about him. Do we sell him? I don't think you do. But I think Doku's a, a tough ass because those fixtures are not nice. From game week 16 onwards, you never know. Um, but those tougher fixtures, they do tend to favour Grealish because they look for control in those games and that's where Grealish kind of comes in. So will Doku play all those games? I don't think he will. Um, but I think, yeah, it's not really the time to get on the City assets just after they haul because uh, they tend to then get benched. <laughs> Yeah, Doku reminds me of Mares. you know? Yeah. He's going to come away with a 23-pointer here and there, but then he goes on a run of 0 You just have to get them at the right time and get lucky. I don't think Big you should shout. chase points with any Man City midfielders. Yeah, those binary returns are painful with the rotation from Pep. I, I just want to double down on what you said, Andy. The midfielder spots are so precious this season, and the issue we're having in FPL, it's a great problem because there's a lot of variants. There are a lot of different-looking teams but there are so many midfielders who are hauling all at the same time and you just can't get them all in. I mean, I feel like we're playing a repeat of some old school Pokemon episodes. Cause I just want to get like 10 different midfielders in my team, but you can't catch them all. So it's like, it's, it's painful. You look at it. It's like, can I get Eze? can I get Mbomo? Can I have Sterling? Can I have Madison and son and Saka? The list is long. And I didn't even mention the Egyptian King Salah there. So, I mean, it's, there's just, we're spoiled for options in the middle of the pitch. And this is 
another reason why I'm having a bad season. I'm in a 3-4-3, so I have Jules, Watkins, and Holland up top. That has not gone well on my game week 10 wild card, especially with all these other midfielders popping off. And then Alvarez, uh, I, I, I can't believe the variance there. 6-1 and Jules and Holland, no returns. That is crazy. I mean, I, I wonder how many times you run that simulation out of 100 and those guys end up with zero returns, maybe three. And we got one of those this week. Painful, just utterly painful. We should say that we now know that Holland is fit, that that was some pep shithousery on the weekend. He started in the Champions League. He had a penalty kick, which he took brilliantly. And then he had a screamer from outside the box. So he was on a brace. It was against a lesser opponent, but he should be fully good to go for that match at Stamford Bridge on the weekend. And yeah, it's going to be scary days for Nolan managers once again. Pivoting to the other teams at the top of the table, there was a hand of God for Luis Diaz. He comes in and saves the day for the Reds, but only a 1-1 draw for them versus the Lutonians. So I think the thing here to call out is maybe we should be revising our thinking in terms of attacking the Luton home fixtures that they have because they've been putting a shift in front of their home teams and their home supporters at a decent clip. But away from home, that's definitely where you might want to target some of those matches. So uh, what did you guys see in this one in terms of um, FPL? Because Mo did not do the business. And I think, frankly, anybody who captained Holland really got away with one because if Mo would have gone off for 20 plus points in the captaincy department, we all would have been having much different game weeks. Yeah, I think this was the start of people realizing this was going to be a really bad game week when City didn't do what we expected, then Liverpool didn't do what we expected, and Villa didn't do what we expected, and then Spurs as well. Um, I, this was an interesting one. I, I still think Luton are there to be targeted, and I think you're completely right. I think away from home, they're a lot worse than they are at home. I don't think they're quite as bad as Sheffield United and Burnley. I think Luton have a lot more fight in them at the moment. But I still think you target them personally. But you are right. Away from home, um, teams seem to be struggling at Kenilworth Road a little bit. I think that's maybe because the atmosphere is very different there as well. But I think the other big thing about this game that a lot of people, you know, a player that people have really invested in is Simicast as well. Simicast obviously didn't start the game. Joe Gomez was preferred at left back. That hurt a lot of people because they were, I mean, some people were hoping for uh, bench points where if he didn't come on, but obviously did come on anyway. But I think if you invested in Simicast early on, which a few of us did, you were expecting that there were going to be these games where he didn't play. He's not Robertson. He's not going to play every single game, but he's still, I think, a fine player to have. The thing that does worry me about these kind of players is that a lot of people are investing in these cheap defenders that you some people have got Maguire, Simicast, they might now go from Dan Burn to someone else. All of a sudden they've got four or five players that in a couple of weeks' time they're not going to be in their team. So I think people just have to be a little bit wary when they're making these transfers that hang on, I could be setting myself up for a little bit of a fail here at some point. Completely agree on that point, but I still think Simikas's first choice. I think this was a tactical benching and regarding the Luton home fixture, I think this is totally a hindsight conversation. I mean, watching the game, Liverpool were so dominant on a different day. They easily score three goals in the first half. I mean, I think this is total hindsight merchantry on the conversation about Luton home being a fixture to avoid. Liverpool still threw up just under three XG from an advanced stats. They were at 2.86. So, I mean, they were definitely the better team. They definitely had the better chances, but we should just congratulate Luton because they were very pragmatic. 
They played really, really hard. And yeah, I think there's something special about an environment that's so clearly not Premier League level that to be able, I mean, imagine if you're a Luton fan and you're in the stadium to draw against one of the best teams ever in Premier League history. I mean, that's like Andy going to see Yeovil and they beat Man City in the FA Cup. I mean, it's you dream <laughs> about moments like that. I'm just pissed that Kabori came away with eight points because he got 12 more points than Adogi, who I played in my start in 11. And if I had an idea that Kabore would come on, I would have probably took a minus four to make sure I didn't play Kabore against Liverpool. <laughs> so for him to get eight points, it's just uh, whatever. <laughs> and like like you mentioned before, Bucks, this is one where Darwin, a lot of managers who went Nolland were expecting a big haul. Frankly, he easily could have had a 13-pointer in that match. And He's one of the more wasteful characters we have right now in the Premier League. And then when he goes on international duty, he's going to have a long venture back. So if you have him, you you keep running him out there. But he's definitely somebody who I think is going to give a lot of managers fits moving forward. It's very boomer bust with that guy. All right. Next up, let's drop a few thoughts on the Newcastle versus Arsenal fixture. Newcastle win 1-0. This one was very cagey and very much a concern for a lot of FPL managers, especially those with Saka. The man hasn't taken a shot in two games. What the hell is going on here with this Arsenal attack? This is a team that put up multiple three-plus goal performances last season, and they're a bit uh, dreary at the moment. So what's your take, Andy, on the current status of the Arsenal attack, especially ahead of a plump, plump fixture where Arsenal are going to play Burnley at home. Yeah, this is the thing as well. Like it is, You're looking at it and thinking they've had a tough game. Newcastle away is is one of the hardest games in the league at the moment. And totally. Newcastle, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter who they're playing. They, they, they put up good numbers in terms of XGC. So I think, obviously, the burn injury hurts. I think the burn injury hurts Newcastle. And I think it hurts them a little bit defensively as well. But in terms it burns. of Arsenal... It burns. Yeah, it burns. Uh, but in terms of Arsenal... I think these fixtures will probably breed good form. So they've got Burnley, Brentford, Wolves and Luton in the next four. Saka still is my priority. I think Saka with the penalty taker as well. We've mentioned penalty takers already. I think you have to kind of look at someone like him. I think a defender in this run is also good. I do think attacking wise though, they might start to maybe struggle to create a little bit. Odegaard, there's something going on with him at the moment. He's got a little bit of a niggling injury. It doesn't sound like he's going to be back anytime soon. Um, or at least not in the next couple of weeks. I think that does hurt them quite a lot. I think Inketches was a good shout a couple of weeks ago, but he's quite limited. And I think also for this team, although the fixtures are nice, I think I'm just happy having maybe one attacker, which is Saka. I think if you're going for more than one attacker, you're putting too many eggs in a basket that is a little bit unreliable attacking-wise. But like I said, Burnley at home, it doesn't get any better than that. I think one attacker and one defender is perfectly fine for, for this run, considering... The, the myriad of options we got everywhere else as well. Andy, are you not fussed about the fact that Niketia seems to be taking all the good shots? I mean, I kind of feel like maybe Saka, and I credit you, Black Wolf, you've said it, I think, three or four weeks ago that you were going to fade Saka for the short term. I might be fading him for the long term. He With Odegaard out and Martinelli being almost a non-factor on the other side, on the left-hand side of the pitch, there's not a lot of space for Saka to make his in cutting, you know, incisive moves across the penalty box. I'm growing a little concerned and it seems like Gabriel Jesus's injury might not be as minor as we initially hoped. So I think Niketia could play 
into a number of those festive fixtures, which might make him a great cheap buy uh, for the FPL game. Yeah, I, I faded Saka for the Sheffield United game, and I was kind of terrified about doing that, but I, I stayed strong and he got away with just six points, which I was happy with. But I've been planning to bring him in for this Burnley fixture for a while. But then I got hit with like a Neto injury. Then I got hit with Madison potential injury. Adogi got sent off. So now I'm probably going to avoid bringing him in for this Burnley fixture too. So then I'm looking at the fixtures going forward and I'm thinking, shall I just avoid him completely and just try and get my gains elsewhere when you've got people like Eze with such good fixtures and Bumo from 14 with such good fixtures. Tottenham get good fixtures again turning in a few weeks, as do Chelsea. So I might just void Arsenal completely. I almost think that Saliba is the priority Arsenal player to bring in because he's so nailed. He does offer a little bit of attacking threat. I mean, he's not as dangerous as Gabriel from set pieces, but he's good for an assist or a goal once a season or twice a season. And I just really feel like that Burnley home fixture, you don't know who's going to get in the goals, but you almost know for certain that Saliba is going to be one of the first names on the team sheet. So he's cheaper. And with all the defender injuries, I feel like that might be an easier fit in for many FPL managers in their squads. All right. Lastly, we're going to wrap up the game week rewinds and give Dan his patented 60 seconds to talk about wolves. This is one of our favorite segments of the week. We limit him to Dan, 60 Dan, ticks. Dan, 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 Dan. What do you got to say about your big L to Sheffield United? I feel like every week I come on this podcast and complain about VAR screwing Wolves over. And they've done it yet again, every single fucking week. So there was no way that was a pen in that, what, 100th minute? Absolutely no way there was a pen. 90 plus 10. That was soft as Charmin. It's every single week. I was looking at the scores and I think Wolves would be something like eighth place if it wasn't for these ridiculous VAR fixtures. I'm just really tired of it. And... To let Cameron Archer, of all people, score against us when he's sitting on my bench. And when I told so many people, Ryan Eitnery is going to get nine points this week. I, <laughs> I, jinxed, I jinxed it again. Just, I don't know. It's typical Wolves to have such a great result against Newcastle, to beat Man City, and then go to Sheffield United and lose. It's just typical Wolves. And they did really miss Neto. Um, however, we still created. I still think Huang is a, a good pick. You got an assist, um, right? Yeah, he's still got an assist. We're still creating chances, so I'm not too concerned. And we're playing Tottenham next, who are going to be without two of their centre-backs. So if you have Huang, I'd play him. We commiserate with you on another loss for the Wolves, but the show will go on and hopefully better days will be ahead and VAR will sort itself out. All right, we're going to take our next break and we'll be right back to discuss the fast-forwarding to Game Week 12. And we're back. Let's fast forward to look ahead to the action in game week 12. Let's first and foremost dive into the best fixtures to target for FPL halls. And we should just caution that we all expected there was going to be a number of triple digit scores going into game week 11. So this is surely not science. This is more of a vibe. <laughs> yeah, FC vibes. We need to come through this week for all of us. And I think when we're looking again, we mentioned the Burnley at Arsenal matchup. That's going to be a big one for potential halls. And then, wow, 
some of these other fixtures, it's kind of hard to pick out who to grab from Brighton, who hosts Sheffield United. So I think let's just talk about Brighton's form overall. They've been looking very shaky, and especially with European action, I'm not sure who's going to get the points each and every game week. So Matoma looks like the highest X-Mins guy, but I am tempted a little bit by Ferguson as a potential punt with this Sheffield United fixture. So what do you guys think here in terms of potential points for the Seagulls? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there with Matoma. I think he's the one you go for if you want that kind of consistent starter. And he's their creator. He's their master dribbler, isn't he? So he's the one that's probably going to be getting the assists and the goals. I think Ferguson's a great shout. I, I I would really love to be able to go with Ferguson, but it's just so hard to predict when he's going to start. And that's the problem with him. If you know he's 100% going to start over these next two to five weeks, I think he's such a lovely little player that you can get in. I prefer him over in Ketia, for instance. But again, he's a tough one to go Ooh, Very with. interesting. Yeah. Pedro's the other one. Obviously, you know, he's so cheap and he's on penalties, but he doesn't start games at the moment. And it's so tough to get there. But... I mean, everybody's saying, well, he's bound to start this one against Sheffield United, but God knows whether he does, to be perfectly honest. So, yeah, it's really tough going there. I think there is a little bit to say that maybe you could go with a defender. I think a lot of people are hoping Stupinan's going to be back, but we've got no guarantees going to be. So someone like Dunk, we were just saying there that, you know, he's going to play every game. He's got three lovely home fixtures with Sheffield United, Brentford and Burnley in the next five. You could go with someone like him because you just know he's going to play every game in those next five. And how many defenders can you say that about? So you could go one of those ways. The only thing I will say is they haven't got the clean sheet all season. So you're hoping for, <laughs> probably hoping for an attacker return there as well. And unfortunately, yeah. his screamer got ruled off. Yeah. Well, worldy goal and gets ruled off by being a step offside. So, I mean, he's expensive as well. It was interesting that last year he was at... 4.5 million. And that was a reduction in price from what he's usually priced at. And then this season he's back up to five and it's really hard to go with a team that hasn't kept it clean and their goalies are both mids. I, I, I'm not sure where to go with this Seagulls team. And I know a lot of us have taken a affinity towards the team, but their form is not great right now. They haven't scored multiple goals in a, a premier league match in a couple and uh, kind of puts me off of them. So I'm I'm happy to own Matoma, but I, I don't know where else you go with this side. I, I think they're a complete cross-off. I kind of disagree with you a little bit, Andy. I think uh, Ferguson is probably their best asset because of his haul potential. I mean, when he starts, and God, if you're a manager like FPL underscore Big Apple, who's a friend of the podcast, and has Ferguson for just this fixture, Sheffield at home, uh, you have to be praying to the old gods, the new gods, using all the voodoo tricks in your locker to make sure that Deserby starts this big Irish lad up top in the formation for this game specifically. Uh, I just think Matoma is playing very far wide and he's not showing that he's hauling. He's getting maybe an assist, maybe a goal. And otherwise, I think he's been relatively quiet all season. Right now, I know we made predictions at the beginning of the season. Brighton are one of the disappointments of the season because they are not coping with the extra fixtures well at all. I think they're they're really they're they're a little asleep at the wheel at the moment. All right, another match to target. Let's talk about Newcastle at Bournemouth. I think we all happily roll out our defenders for Newcastle. But with that being said, the injuries are racking up for them as well. Burn hurt his spine. 
I mean, who knows how long he's going to be out for. And then they also lost 2-0 to Dortmund today in Champions League. So uh, I have Jamal Lascelles on my wild card. Yeah, that's looking like a great pick, uh, quite frankly. And he wears the captain's armband when he does play. So this might be a great fixture to play him in, especially if Cash can't go or you know one of my other guys becomes injured during midweek. So Trips, though, he's just shitting points. Uh, another nine-pointer this game week. And, man, have, having uh, Alvarez instead of Trips on my wild card is not looking pretty at the moment. We saw in the Champions League today that Callum Wilson came off with what looked like a tight hamstring. So it looks like for this game, we're going to have both Wilson and, Wilson and Isaac both out, which likely means Anthony Gordon is going to play up front. So for owners of him, they're going to be licking their lips for this fixture. I'm kind of annoyed that I took him out for Neto a few weeks ago because in, in hindsight, obviously that was bad, but I was going for this Sheffield United fixture that never happened. Um, but yeah, in terms of the defense, I, I kept my eyes today on Liv Romento, who looked really, really good today. He did play right wing at the beginning, which I personally think was a, a bad thing, not a good thing, because that showed that Eddie Howe was perfectly fine playing Lewis Hall at left back and Kieran Trippier at right back. But if Livermento was to nail down that spot as a wing back, I think he's a great pick for 4.3 million for the fixtures coming up. But as Andy said earlier, you put him in, you know he's going to be coming out again at some point. So do you really want to do you really want to go there? Yeah, and we might just need a few more games of data to see who how slots into that starting 11 from a defender point of view. I'd still think that Newcastle defense are worth investing in, though I think going into this game week in my bus team, I had Trippier as captain. That's a little uh, drop of a teaser for what's to come later. But with all these injuries mounting up, I think that's no longer going to be a sage piece of wisdom. I thought that could be a huge differential with the potential for him to get an assist and mop up an easy clean sheet, double digit haul, yum, yum, take those points. But I think Newcastle are starting to get in dangerous waters. Uh, there are so many injuries all across this side, and they play Champions League in what's going to become must-win fixtures if they hope to stay in that competition. So things are getting a little dicey over at Newcastle. I saw a rumor today that Fabian Scher could possibly be on penalties for Newcastle. Do you hear that, Andy? What do you think about that? <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I mean, he's he's got a kick on him, Andy, to be fair to him. like He could take a shot, but... Um... Yeah, I'd be surprised. Surely there's someone else. Like I'd, I'd expect someone like Bruno G to maybe step up before he does, but uh, I'd be surprised. I mean, we're, we're, we've been waiting for about five years for Edison to take a pen for, <laughs> for City, <laughs> so I don't know whether Cher will be there, but Cher, if you've got the money, he is the pick if you want that kind of, you know, definite player that's going to be playing every game, isn't he? I think Joe Linton takes the penalties just uh, as a, a wild card. All right, the last match we want to highlight is the Aston Villa team looking to rebound playing at home versus Fulham. So this is one where a lot of managers might be tripled up on the attack for the villains. So we want some points because the last week they brought nil, zilch, nada. So what do you guys think? Is Watkins potential outside captaincy shout if you're looking to make up some ground this week? I think he is. I, I think this is going to be one of those games where people ditch Watkins early because they want to jump on, say, like a Darwin who's got Brentford at home. I think people are going to sell cash. I think this is they're so good at home. And I think people are going to see that away game, see they got 
ruined really by Forest, especially with their high line as well. I, I think this is one of those fixtures where people are going to go, ah, oh, yeah, should have kept Villa for another week. Uh, but this will probably be the swan song for a lot of people with Villa assets, because I think a lot of people will move off Villa assets after this week. Rightly so as well, because I think their fixtures obviously change a bit. they got Bournemouth in there, they've got some horrible fixtures for a bit. So I think this will probably be the last week for a lot of people of maybe owning Watkins and Cash. We'll see. Yeah, I was looking at next week to t- to jump off Watkins as well. But then I saw they're playing Tottenham. Yeah, I know. They're yeah. going to be without their <laughs> centre-backs. So now I'm like, oh, yeah. maybe I should keep him. Yeah, I, think yeah, I agree with you, Dan. That changes the calculus in a big way. No no first-choice centre-backs for Tottenham likely going into at least the next two or three matches. Eric Deere is going to give a masterclass that you watch. Who's a Deere? Dyer? Is that Eric, what you're trying Eric to say? Dyer. Did I say Eric Deere? <laughs> He's going to be a deer in the headlights when Ollie Watkins hey. is running at him. I'm getting He's confused. Got a last night. He does. He's got a screamer, didn't he? And then got ruled out. But um, yeah, no, I do agree. But I, you know, I, I think um, that I, we spoke about this week. Game week 13 looks horrendous. By the way, that is not the game week. This we, we've got. Game week 12, it's going to be lovely with all the plum fixtures. Game week 11 was like the worst game week in history. Game week 13 could give it a run for its money. So, yeah, like you said, keeper Watkins could be the move as well. But making moves in 13 is going to be tough because there's not a lot of players you're going to want to invest in. Right after an international break. Mm, Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I'm definitely eyeing up a potential swap to somebody like Darwin come game week, I think, 15 where Liverpool are going to play Sheffield United and then Villa play home versus City. So that could be a possible switch, but there aren't that many forwards that are really giving you a lot of confidence week in and week out. So it might be an interesting move for managers to bump up one of their midfielders instead and divest a little bit outside of those attackers. So let's take our next break here and come back with community questions. We'll be right back. And we're back. Let's dive into some amazing contributions from our listener community, starting with Harrison Harrison Goodman. Goodman. He's asking, is this the weirdest fucking season of FPL or what? Way to be nice and direct, Harrison. I love it. Fellow New Yorker. I think the amount of options that we have in the FPL game is presenting a lot of variance and a lot of interesting punts to take. But in terms of the weirdest fucking season, you got to go with one of these COVID years where the rules were bent for managers with an extra wild card. You never knew if you were going to wake up, especially in the U.S., where the time zone change is just abysmal. It is against you when you're trying to figure out if these matches are canceled or not. So I would still have to put that as the the weirdest season because I would constantly wake up even to catch the deadline here in the West Coast in California. You got to be up at 3 a.m. and then all of a sudden you find out that a fixture is canceled. And that is um, a way to just spread panic amongst your group chats and and that kind of situation so it's it's definitely been a weird one but uh you know obviously andy you've been playing for a lot of years so just curious on your take thus far through 11 game weeks i 100 agree with you that the weirdest one was the covid years you know with the years where games were postponed and we were playing because we never had um like three o'clock kickoffs they were all in different times and nobody played at the same time that was 100 the weirdest one Obviously, we've had we've had other things happen as well, like the Christmas World Cup and stuff like that, where fixtures just went crazy for a little bit. The thing I would say about this year, and we've alluded to it a little bit, is that people are so clued in now. 
like you never ever had that before and i think we've seen it way more this year than we've ever seen it before like i'm talking to people at work who would four years ago had no clue about fpl and now they're saying like oh, i brought him in because he's got really nice fixtures in two game weeks and i'm thinking what's like you've never said that before where's this coming <laughs> from and people just seem so much more clued into fixture runs what's coming up and it's not necessarily stuff they've looked at themselves they're just hearing it from other people and i think that's where it's been a lot harder this year so for instance you can have a really good game week and not move whereas a couple of years ago you'd have a really good game week and you move up a good you know a couple of hundred k so i think in that respect it's been a really weird really weird season but this is like you said one of the first normal seasons where we're getting normal game week normal game week for quite a long time and i think in that respect maybe that's weird for people because they haven't had it for four years yeah, I might be in the minority. I actually love this season. I think we've been crying out for a season like this for a while, mm. where the, we have so many different teams, so many different squads. Ranks are going super volatile. We're getting a green arrow one week, a red arrow the next week. I just, I love the variance, to be honest. And because it was getting quite boring for me, everyone having the same team. We're all captaining Haaland every week. Most of us are getting green arrows because of that Haaland captaincy. So I'm actually really enjoying this season. I know it's easy to say when you're not like in 3 million, 4 million, but I love it. Yeah, that competitive advantage that managers used to have in terms of looking at a fixture ticker and then bringing in players, that's dwindling as many more of the engaged managers are doing that. And it's it's really hard to get a top 100K finish these days. This is my first regular season of FPL. This is my fourth season playing and... This has definitely been the least chaotic of the seasons I played. I mean, we had the Queen passing, two COVID seasons, the Winter World Cup. You mentioned all that, Andy. Uh, I'm just enjoying the fact that, you know, we know about double game weeks. We know about blank game weeks. It seems like you're able to actually plan this season. Yes, fantasy games are always chaotic and this one's no different. But I, I actually feel like this is one of the, this is the most tame season I've played for sure. All right, next question we have is from Derek, a.k.a. FPL D-Chin. Love to see a fellow Chin in the FPL community here. We have a question about Game Week 10 wildcarders because they have gone without trips, and he keeps on getting in the points and getting those coveted bonus points as well. So would you look to bring him back into your side and move into that kind of heavier defensive rotation, or would you skip him as they have some tough fixtures coming up taking a look at the ticker from fantasy football scout which we love to use newcastle plays at home versus chelsea and home versus manchester united in game weeks 13 and 14 i actually don't know what our take is on in terms of how difficult those fixtures are i would expect one clean sheet out of the two uh, what's your take there andy yeah i actually when you look at the fixtures i don't think they look that bad and and newcastle have been very, very good defensively this year. They, they have one of the best XGCs in the league. And even when they had the tough start at the beginning of the year, they were they were putting up good numbers there as well, which is obviously good to see. The, but the biggest issue I've got with Trippier is he's just so expensive. And, and I've got no intention of getting him back into my team because I want all these heavy hitters in, in midfield and up top. So I, I cannot free up the funds to move to a Trippier unless I sell someone like a Son to someone extremely cheap like a Gordon just to free up funds for Trippier. So I've got no intentions of doing it, but from game week 17 to 19, those three fixtures look very, very nice indeed. So if you want to double up on Trippier and another defensive asset from Newcastle, that looks good. But yeah, I'm going to struggle to get him just because of the price of him personally. 
Yeah, I think for people that wildcarded in wildcard 10, you kind of made your decision at that point. If you went for him, you keep him. If you didn't go for him, you probably don't bring him in at least until like game week 17, especially when there's really cheap options in that Newcastle defence. Um, so yeah, I, I think if you don't have Trippier right now, I don't think it makes sense to bring him straight back in. He is one of the few players in defense that I would actually use transfers on, though, because I think a lot of us are scraping the bottom of the barrel, just trying to find a gem and find a, a six pointer because it's been few and far between each game week to find a consistent stream of points in defense. So he would be top of the charts in terms of making defensive transfers. But again, seven million, that is a lot of dosh to spend on a defender. I think that if you maybe had an unfortunate situation of Poro and Madison and Madison's now potentially out injured, I would seriously consider making the swap to get Trippier and Cole Palmer in as a near straight swap. I think Trippier is that important. And Andy, you mentioned it and I totally agree. I think right now the Newcastle hard fixtures are at home and St. James Park, when you have to run uphill for half the match is a huge cheat code for the Gordies. And uh, yeah, they're injured, but I still think Trippier is one of those players who's really hard to cover with kind of his lesser alternative. He just offers so much and he's such a bonus point magnet that you're going to be sweating if they're on a clean sheet, just knowing that he's falling into three points, even on a bad day. Yeah, and going somebody like LaSalle's at 4 million, that saves you cash that you can then put into your attack. So I would maybe look at that if you're really keen on making a defensive transfer, even going from burn this week to LaSalle's I think is a play that is going to pay off for the next six plus game weeks because we don't have any news on Botman and no news is bad news, quite frankly. And his lack of availability is just up in the air. So that's just something that you can consider if you're looking to make a defensive transfer potentially. All right. Next up, we have a question from at FPL Conte. This one is directed at our guest. He wants to know who is the best Andy in the FPL community and why? So this one, teeing you up, are you going to toot your own horn or are you going to pass it on to Slippers? Oh, it's got to be Slippers, <laughs> isn't it? No, I mean, um, Let's Talk's ridiculous. The, the content he puts out on a daily basis is just unbelievable. His finishes are second and none for, you know, however many years he's been playing and the content's lovely. I mean, he's, I'm pretty sure he streamed on his wedding day, uh, which I, I would he never did. He have did. gotten away with. <laughs> exactly. His so, partner um, is a saint. Yeah, exactly. Um, or non-existent. It could be one of the two. I don't know. So it's uh <laughs> Yeah, we haven't so seen her on a um, stream yet. So we're yeah, not is sure. it a Monte exactly. Teo exactly. situation? Oh my god. <laughs> um, so yeah, obviously you've got to go with him. I, I would I think I responded to this tweet saying I'd put myself in the top 20. I think I'm in the top 20. I think I could get, you know, I, I'd be in the Premier League, I'd be top 20 in England, but I'll I'll see after that. I don't know. Definitely nowhere near getting relegated in that top 20, yeah. Andy. So we we do Thank appreciate you. that and love to shine <laughs> some light on our guest host. Let's talk about FPL Conte's serious FPL question, which he's he's going a little bucks wild here. He's uh, he's feeling himself. He wants to know if we rate a potential Newcastle defensive triple up. My word. I, I don't I don't rate it. If they still had um, Botman fit, if they had Burn fit, then I would potentially consider it. But now those guys are injured. I think there's value elsewhere. Yeah, this isn't prime 
Man City where you could have maybe Ederson, Cancelo and Stones or Diaz in the back and triple up on defense. It's just too many eggs in one basket, as uh, we've said before. But there are some good picks in the Newcastle side. So having at least one defender makes a lot of sense no matter their fixture run. Let's keep it moving. Let's go to Connor, a.k.a. at FPL Hunt. He's asking, would you guys still be interested in Gabriel or Zinchenko with the potential rotation at Arsenal? If not, who's maybe your preferred cheapy defender? And then that's another question from FPL Barrister. He wants to know if we should keep the faith in Gabriel or if he's somebody who's going to be rotated more often than not. So let's go to Andy and your take on the Arsenal defense, which quite frankly looks better than the fucking attack. So is a double up potentially in the cards? Uh, well, I think Buck said it earlier about um, if you wanted a nailed defender, then Saliba's the way you go. Like there's, there's no doubt that Saliba's going to be playing all these games in the next four, which is the plum fixtures. I do think Gabriel's fine. But again, we've mentioned already before that if you've got Gabriel and he doesn't play and you've also got Livermento, you've got Simicast, like you're looking at potentially a week where you get completely shafted. I do like Palace defenders. There's a certain left back who's uh, done quite well recently. Oh yeah, uh, who's, but, who's who's that? Andy? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I can't remember. Tell us, tell us, tell can't us. remember. Can't remember. Um, but uh, so he's obviously good. The one thing I will also say about Arsenal, a few people are saying about Raya. You've got to remember as well that Raya won't play in game week 13 because he's going to. It's playing against Brentford, so he cannot play in that game. So if you're looking at getting him, you can play him against Burnley, play him against Wolves, but make sure you have a backup for him uh, if you are going to go that way. I think I'd go Saliba if I wanted security. But to be honest, the rest of them, they've all got rotation worries. And obviously, White is a little bit more expensive than that as well. He's done well this year, but he's a little bit more expensive. I wouldn't be going Zinchenko. And Gabriel, I think, I I personally think Gabriel's fine. But yeah, there is always that potential that he could miss a game. I would stick on Gabriel, but I told you this, Brian, and I know your team name is Lost in the Zinni. My preference is Tomiyasu. I think he's actually the best upside pick and i think soon enough he will be first choice over zinchenko in that left back so that's not a pick for this game week but that's someone to nail on your watch list for a couple more game weeks and i also just think that raya could lose his job i mean the fact that he can't play in that game week 13 could be a huge opportunity for ramsdale to kind of barnstormer back into the number one shirt Dan and I are both making faces at this Tomiyasu. Um, <laughs> you know, let, let's keep him at the very bottom of the watch list. He'll come in for the odd game or two, but Arteta brought in Zinchenko. He's familiar with him from City. I just don't see him playing a, a ton of minutes in the Premier League. But like you said, that does spell rotation. So the cheap guy to get is still Gabriel. And if you can stretch a Saliba, I would go for that. Uh, White is just frankly too expensive. I think he's all the way up to like, 5.7 million or something like that so he's ruled out just due to his price tag at the moment and um but he he probably is the one who's going to be nailed on the the right fullback slot keeping up with the defender questions uzi fpl also wants to know who the best keeper to own is wow so this one is pain painful for us because dan bucks and i were all on johnston to start the season we had him all the way up until our first wild cards he's what second in the league for clean sheets at the moment. He's the top scoring goalkeeper. And we all took him out for Areola to save 0.3 million at the time. So just curious for you guys. I know we've always tried to avoid goalkeeper transfers because of the low ceiling, but 
if we don't get some points out of Areola in the next three matches, they're going to be some managers who just rage take him out, right, Dan? Yeah, I, I still think Ariola is a, a fine hold. I know he hasn't been getting the points, but considering his price, considering how we're trying to target all of these great assets in the outfield, I, I would not waste a transfer on taking out Ariola. I mean, he could very well get a penalty save in, in the coming weeks, get 15 points, and all of a sudden he's made up for all of those ones and zeros that he's got. So I'm not a fan of taking out a keeper unless you absolutely have to. I know it's a little bit of concern for people who have Turner, for example, and someone like Raya, as Andy said. So in that case, it might be worth downgrading, um, sorry, upgrading Turner if you need him to play. But other than that, nah, not for me. I, th- I think I think Johnston is the pick if you're having a pick at the moment, especially with the fixtures coming up. I do also think that that Ariola Leno rotation is still lovely. I, I completely agree with Dan, where I think Ariola is still a fine pick because when he doesn't keep clean sheets, he still manages to get kind of the odd three or four points, which they rack up as the season goes on. So I think Ariola's fine. They got nice fixtures all the way up to game week 17 as well. And then obviously, like I said, if you want to go for someone different, Leno's not bad with quite a few nice home fixtures coming up too. So I think those would be the three for me. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because I use my wild card and have 0.0 in the bank from game week 10. And I would love to take Ariola out because uh, West Ham, they, they look a bit shaky in the midfield and in the back at the moment, but there's there's just no funds to to upgrade him, especially with the upcoming international break. I don't want to use two transfers to free up funds and then upgrade a goalkeeper. Just sounds like a waste of fucking time. So let's uh, let's go to the next question. And this one is uh, this one's interesting. I think it's a more of a macro question from Matt, aka at my Cayman fan. He wants to know especially from Andy, what feels better, your real team winning or getting a green arrow in FPL? And the caveat is we have fans and supporters on this pod of Chelsea, Manchester United and uh, Wolves this season. So those those wins are hard to come by. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's no competition. It's uh, your real team winning. Um, I've, I've said it before, like, you know. Thank I, you. I, yeah, no, it's, it's not, yeah, it's not even psychopaths a... here. <laughs> it's not even a question for me i mean dan must be the same with wolves as well like i i in no way have i ever i've had it before where i've had you know bruno and whatever it is scoring and i don't own him and it's been like yeah but who cares because he's scoring obviously for my team in real life i i'm going to be a united fan all my life there'll be a time where i stop playing fbl so yeah no it's always real team winning yeah that, that's an easy answer for me too wolves winning every single day of the week i would happily take a red arrow for the rest of my FPL career, if it meant Wolves do well, not even a competition. I'm you the only know where I stand. Here. You you know where <laughs> I stand. I I I mean, I th- my girls, my wife is now into Chelsea football, but uh, there's um, it's going to be a long slog to get them uh, to pick up the FPL game. So uh, definitely Chelsea <laughs> through and through. We need the uh, the Wags League, the wives and girlfriends league. Uh, coming up one of these seasons to see if they can outdo us, Bucks. They can definitely outdo you based on your season performance. Uh, there we go. <laughs> yep. yep, I have to eat that one. I can't uh, have a comeback. And I'm sure if you were advising your wife on her FPL team, it would be beating my uh, 1.5 million rank at the moment. All right, next no question. <laughs> next question is from at FPL Dallas. He's asking about Doku. <laughs> and he was on our pod last week. What a character from hashtag FPL USA. He asked, did 
Doku by a Roku to watch Goku turn Super Saiyan, aka is Doku an option at City? So we touched on this earlier, but I don't think I would go for him anytime soon. When we do have the double game week, though, in likely game week 20, he could be a third potential option because of his high ceiling. But until then, I don't think he's a pick as we discussed. Anything else to add here, guys? Not for him. Let's go to my nemesis at PV asks, time to trade out Watkins? And if so, who's the first choice forward you would replace him with? Yeah, I I don't think it's the week this week. I don't think you get rid of Watkins uh, home to Fulham. But if you were intent on doing it, the, the player I'd be getting in is Darwin, personally. I think Darwin's that player with the, the underlying stats. I know he's infuriating, and I know he managed to miss a shot from one yard out this week as well. Literally, I don't know how he missed that. <laughs> but if you were to do the it, team, I mean... Timo Werner. Pull the team out. Oh, God. But he's he's the only player that's kind of keeping up with Haaland in terms of XG every every week, XGI. So I, I, would, be, I would be going with Darwin if I were to go to anybody. I would keep Watkins, for sure. But I agree, if you were to take him out, probably next game week is the time to do it. Otherwise, you're going to hold him for the foreseeable future. I He's just consider- not a problem. You know, like he was trickling in assists, a constant stream of five pointers earlier in the season. And if you could get that every week, you'd probably be happy with it at the, you know, eight, eight point, what is it, 8.4 now? But um, yeah, it's just kind of that roulette of which striker is hot at the right moment. And Watkins is just going to play 90 minutes every match. And I think that's something that you have to value. And hopefully he'll get a few tap-ins coming up in these upcoming game weeks. I don't love that you guys are giving sage advice to my nemesis. So just to sum up for you, PV, we think that you should swap Watkins for Archer immediately. And uh, <laughs> definitely don't bank that transfer. We also have another question from Graham Atwell, who wants to ask Bucks, is a sack of potatoes or Nicholas Jackson better? So he was slandering the likes of Jackson when it was 1-0 to Spuds. And then, of course, Nicholas Jackson comes up with a hat trick, his first in a Chelsea shirt. So, you know, he doesn't have great feet, but he still comes good every now and then. I just don't think he's an FPL option at all. So I think that's more of a question just as a dig at you, Bucks. No, I disagree. I think he's an uncut gem. And I think come game week 16, he's going to become an option, a serious option on the FPL menu once again. He's getting into great positions and Chelsea are continuously putting up very strong XG. So yes, he's a butcher in front of the goal, but so is Darwin and he's emerged as a really legitimate FPL consideration. And I think Jackson is only going to continue growing in confidence with more performances like this. And yeah, I, I don't think he's a bad buy. I think he, he will only become a better premier league type player. I mean, when you say uncut gem, it would be the lowest quality of gem out there. A lot of very tarnished, uh, not something you would want to put on a ring and give to a significant other. That's for sure. He's got more goals than a number of very prolific names in the Premier League at this point in the season. And yes, he's a disaster from an XG perspective, but you can't forget that he just scored three goals away to Chelsea's biggest rival against I mean, nine that is fucking a, men dude I could have scored but, some of those goals those were tap-ins I I you, I, we you gotta, gotta pass play to against we the gotta pass it to in front of you. For no, his this is I mean Wolves would have dreamed to score three goals against Sheffield United so like give Ooh. give Jackson a break that's nine low. men that's nine low. men I mean he does have more goals than Ollie Watkins 
we have to just call that out right now. Fucking right. That's fucking right, baby. <laughs> but yeah, no Nick way. Jack. Stay away from Nico Jackson. He's he's not worth it. Especially when Nkunku's back. He's going to be the guy you go for at Chelsea in that forward line. I am excited to see Nkunku, Palmer, and Sterling as a front three for Chelsea. And maybe they hit some form when the fixtures turn game week 16, 17, and on. So those guys will be in our thoughts later on. But thank you to all who asked us community questions and really showed out for our guest at FPL Mode. We are going to take our last break and come back with our transfer plans and captaincy shouts. Be right back. And we're back. Let's dive into transfer plans and captaincy shouts. And let's let's put the spotlight on our guests to start out. Andy, what's in the bank? What's in the transfer hopper? What's the plan going into game week 12? So I've got two free transfers, uh, which I was quite happy with moving into this game week because I wanted to try and get some Arsenal and Brighton in. Uh, I've got point one in the bank and I'm looking now at not getting any Arsenal or Brighton in uh, and potentially moving Burn to Lascelles or Liveramento, which sounds way less exciting than getting in Ketcher or Matoma or something like that in. Basically, I don't want to lose any of my midfielders uh, to, to move Matoma. I can't free up funds anywhere to get Nketiah in. And even then I'd be having a bench, a midfielder. So it looks like I'm probably just going to try and make a long-term move looking forward. And that'll be burned to, like I said, Lascelles or um, uh, Liveramento. It frees up a little bit of funds and it looks good moving forward. So that's probably what I'm going to do and then roll another free transfer into next week. And what's the importance of rolling for the international break? Are you really set on having two free transfers heading into game week 13, which we noted is going to be just a death trap, really. I mean, there's tons of away fixtures. It looks like it could be another repeat of game week 11, to be honest. So I just want to get your thoughts there. I mean, I love having weeks where I've got two free transfers. So as much as possible, I want to have those two free transfers and just use one on the weeks when I need them. And then when I've got a week that I can really attack, I'll use my two free transfers. Game week 14 could be that week. I don't think... 13 is going to be one of those weeks you're going to really attack just because the upside doesn't really seem there for a lot of the teams. There's no real teams I'm going to want to be investing in to help me in 13 and to help me moving forward. So I'm more than likely going to only use one as long as the international break doesn't bring up any injuries. But at least if I have two, if anything happens, I'm ready for that week too. That's very pragmatic, makes a lot of sense. And I think many FPL managers will be in the same boat unless you have a ton of flags, which there are some teams out there with multiple red cards and uh, injuries racking up. So it'll be interesting to see if our guys get fit over IB or if we come back to even more flags in our app on the FPL game. So let's kick it over now to Bucks. Again, top 15K overall, just flying two free transfers this week. And I'm just curious if you're going to be starting Maguire again. Fuck yeah, I am. Let's go, Slabhead. I have minimal issues in my team right now. I feel very fortunate for that. I have Kurt Zuma and Matty Cash both with flags. And the plan was to start Kurt Zuma this game week. And I just really hope that he's fit because otherwise there's not a lot of great options. So uh, right now on the menu is probably Zuma to Lascelles and Roll, the second free transfer. I have zero in the bank uh, to restate. And yeah, I think right now I'm going to be captaining Holland against my own team, which feels just super gross and disgusting. And I hate it all the way to the high heavens. 
So I'm, I'm really looking for any reason to not do that. But uh, I think that's probably the pragmatic move. And like Andy said, I, I just love my midfield. I think I have the perfect midfield. Right now I have Sun, Bowen, Sala, Gordon, and Diaby. I see no reason to F around with any of those guys at the moment. So I'm going to be probably just skipping Arsenal for another plum fixture and praying that you know something crazy happens where Burnley can smash a goal. Yeah, interesting to hear you say that you're going to move somebody like Zuma over to LaSalle's to free up funds. I think your future transfer plans probably have Mbomo coming in for Diaby, I would assume, in a couple of game weeks. So I do rate that move. Just curious how you stack up the Crystal Palace defense in terms of maybe getting somebody else in. Um, but I'm not even sure now with the prices of Gahey and possibly Mitchell being closer to four, six, if you can even do that in one move. So uh, what's your now, take there? I can't, I can't get to them. And honestly, my saving grace has been making late transfer moves. I'm, I'm really being very patient this season, which is very unusual for me as Brian can attest to. So I missed out on Trippier last game week because of an early price rise. And thank God I did because uh, that would have not only put me in a position of only having one free transfer, but uh I would have been stuck with a benching headache. And honestly, in a shit game week like this, just having less decisions to make uh, makes your life a lot easier and then makes beating yourself up a, a lot harder because, uh, you know, you just kind of rolled with it. So I think that, again, having funds with two free transfers going into this international break could be transformative for many managers. And I know you don't rate the fixtures, Andy, but I think Game week 13 and game week 14 could be great opportunities for a mini wild card for many managers who might not be having the best time of it right now. So I think a minus four could be on the menu in game week 14. And there are a lot of good moves that you can make to get in players like Mbomo who are cheap and get in Arsenal guys and maybe start moving over to a Chelsea guy off Villa. So uh, I think there's going to be a lot of movement and a lot of transfers made in the next couple of game weeks. And I'm just trying to not make rash transfers this season. Hey, you're in the lead for a reason here on the pod top 15 K at this point in the season. So I'm sure that's the the great approach there. And I'm glad to hear that both you and Andy are bringing LaSalle's. I got him at 3.9. So he'll be hopefully up to four one after this game week. And I can farm some value there elsewhere. I think we forgot to ask Andy well, who his captain was going to be. So I'm just curious if he's going to go with Holland or if he's going to go with Salah Watkins. What's your take? Yeah, I'm almost 100% sure I'm not going to be going with with Haaland just because I feel like it's a week where I can go and see if I can go against him. It's horrible when you don't go with Haaland because you know you want him to blank, which is obviously a horrible feeling. Uh, I'm either going to be going with with Salah at home to Brentford or I'm going to be going with Watkins at home to Fulham or or Saka at home to Burnley. Like I love the fact that nobody's going to be really going for Saka and obviously that, that fixture against Burnley is lovely, but the stats aren't great for the last couple of weeks. So... Yeah, it's going to be one of those three. At the moment, it's looking like it's going to be Salah against Brentford. Uh, and I think I'll just kind of be happy owning Saka and Watkins. Uh, but Salah, Salah looks like like the pick from my team so far. You didn't mention Sun. Do you have Sun in your team, Andy? And is he cracking that consideration? Uh, he is in my team, yeah. So I've got I've got Saka, Sun, Salah, uh, and Harlan that I can pick from. Uh, I, personally, I would worry a little bit now because of maybe no Madison and because their defense is so rough, 
The only thing is they're going to keep playing the way they're playing. They played a high line against nine, uh, with nine men against Chelsea. So Andrew they're going to keep on playing like they are, exactly. But I can't ignore Burnley at home, Brentford at home, Fulham at home. It's Sheffield United at home if you've got a Brighton player. Like those fixtures just seem a lot better than Wolves away for me. And Wolves aren't pushovers, you know, especially at Molyneux. So um, unless they're playing Sheffield United, obviously. But um, I feel wow, like Dan, uh... <laughs> Dan is gleaming. He is gleaming to hear that his Wolves are not pushovers. <gasps> Yeah, they caught a stray though. He still caught a stray, which. (laughs) (laughs) So um, yeah, no, I I find it very hard to go with Son. I think, like I said, I'm just happy owning him in this fixture. Penalty, you never know. Makes sense. I mean, they haven't gotten a penalty yet, so we don't even know if he's confirmed to be on pens, which is kind of crazy the way that they're attacking and playing so much of the game in the final third of their opponents, and they still haven't gotten a lucky handball or something like that. So maybe that'll come at the expense of Wolves this week. Next up, Dan, what do you got for your moves in game week 11? I'm, I'm in a really tough spot this week. I've just had so much bad luck the past couple of game weeks. Um, I have Matty Cash. I have James Madison. I also have Udogi. And I have Archer and Kabori on the bench. And I have one free transfer. So I'm kind of screwed. I also have Gabriel, by the way, who has every chance of getting rested again against Burnley. I'm hoping he doesn't. So I'm, I'm just going to have to wait for news and I'm really hoping that Matty Cash and James Madison are okay because I would love to just take a risk and roll the transfer this week so I also have two in the next game week but it's looking like I'm not going to be able to especially if one of Madison and Cash are out or if both of them are out I might even be forced to take a minus four which just sucks but um, I think my plans are either going to be roll um, Adogi to a Palace defender or James Madison to Eze it's going to be one of those Ooh. three. And we're confident on the Eze minutes. He came out and played 30 plus, which is actually kind of rare for players who are coming back from long injuries because they usually get that cameo of 10 minutes just to stretch the legs. But good to see him come on and his stats have always looked very solid, even though he wasn't returning in FPL earlier in the season. And he did uh, set up that Mitchell goal for Mr. Andy North. So that's his, a, that's an interesting shout there. His stats are so good. He's on penalties. He's cheap. Um, I think his minutes are secure because they really need him in that attack. They're, they're woeful right now without him. And I really like his fixtures the next three, four game weeks. And then after that, he's an easy move to Cole Palmer for me. So I am looking at that transfer. However, if Madison is fit, obviously I'm not going to make it. I'm just waiting for news this week and I'm hoping I get lucky because otherwise I'm probably going to be on a minus four and Bucks is going to be flying ahead of me even more. <laughs> I mean, I think Ash and Madison are going to be fine. To be honest, I think Cash had a shoulder knock. Like it wasn't like it was dislocated or anything. So I would expect him to be a good option versus the likes of Fulham uh, in this upcoming week. And then Madison, I mean, this guy always picks up dings and knocks. He gets a scan and then he's boom, right back in playing 90 minutes. So I, yeah. I think he'll probably be fine. And part of him coming off seemed to be game state as well. Obviously, Spurs were down a man. So I think uh, you, you'll probably be in a decent spot with him. Exactly. Postacoglu said after the game that he took him off because he was getting knocked about a lot. The game state was horrible. There was challenges flying everywhere. So it was more of a, let's make sure he doesn't get a serious injury. Let's take him off. So I'm hoping it's not serious. And I think he will play Wolves. So, you know, I might be okay, but I have all my fingers crossed because I really want to go into next game week with two free transfers. Dan, I want to know who your captain is, but I also want to just offer you some guidance. I think making the transfer for you, Dogie one game week late is the move because 
he's going to blank this fixture and then he's going to be alongside such bums in that defense and the fixtures really turn <laughs> for Spurs. So classic I Chelsea that... fan, classic Chelsea fan calling yeah, all his gotta, his, uh... I... <laughs> Here's the thing though, right? Cuz I would I would be benching him most game weeks anyway. However, I would play him at home to West Ham and then Spurs' fixtures turn again, at which point I'd be quite happy to own him. So unless I'm forced to take him out, I'm quite easily, I'm quite happy to just let him rot on my bench for a while. I want right, to attack the, yeah, I want to attack the the points, and I just don't think there's much upside in taking a doge out for someone right now. I mean, obviously, last game week, I should have you took a that, minus. You four. said that last game week, yeah, you said that last <laughs> game week, and then you're you're in the pits uh-huh. right now. So uh, uh, I don't know. I feel like just rip the bandaid. That I don't see Spurs keeping a clean sheet in the next three game weeks maybe even a little longer, depending on how long the ban is for Romero and how long Dyer has to be uh, deer in the headlights for them. So I just think Vicario is a player and Poro are, those are the, I think Poro is clearly the better option. And I just think you doggy is going to drop in price and he's going to dog your, he's going to dog your dreams and turn them into nightmares for a couple more game weeks. Yeah, I agree completely. But if Madison is out, for example, I would prefer to use the transfer on swapping Madison out for an Eze and just let for sure, for Doggy sure. rot. But I see your point for sure. And you can't stretch to Saka, right, from Maddo? No, I have zero in the bank. So I'm going to go into next yeah, game week, spot. potentially on a minus four, and also without Saka and also without Sun. So I'm screwed. Who's tough, your tough, captain? Tough game week. Uh, I'm undecided on captain. Like Part of me wants Haaland, part of me wants Salah. I, I'm currently on Salah, but I could very easily change to Haaland. All right, we will end with my team. I'm in a pretty good spot here. I think Cash, again, I think he's going to play, but I also have Lascelles or Gehi, who I could start this week. Right now, I'm just trying to figure out if I'm going to start Lascelles over Simikas if Cash is healthy. So, uh, And then Gehi, even though they're at home, I think Everton have shown to be pretty decent team, actually, from the highlights I watched because I refuse to watch them uh, for a full 90. So, um, yeah, I'm right now going to probably move out Julian Alvarez, who who I had kept the faith with on wildcard, but now I'm looking to free up funds in my side. I have great midfielders with Saka, Salah, Sun right there, So and Matoma this week. So I think I'm probably going to go Jules and go for the triple up on Arsenal. Again, I need to make up ground and bring in necktie. Could get a, a nice nine-pointer. So I think it's just a, a punt that I'm willing to take, and I do need to free up money to invest elsewhere on my side. Matoma will have to become Mbomo in a couple of weeks and the price difference requires me to have some fun. So that's probably the only slot in my side that I'm looking to move on right now. And otherwise I'm going to burn a transfer. So like Andy mentioned before, I could also look at somebody like big Ferg, but I just don't know, you know, his minutes and he often plays 60 and man, if he, if I transfer him in and he plays 58 minutes, I'm going to be uh, honked off like a goose. So I can't, uh, I can't handle that during this FPL season. So necktie coming in for this home Burnley fixture and I'll have Gabrielle Saka and uh, necktie versus Burnley. And I'm just going to hopefully see a four zero uh, devastation from Arsenal. And then captain is going to be Salah for me at home versus Brentford. I want to go for a home player. And um, unlike Bucks, who's somehow captaining against the team he supports, I think uh, Salah is uh, due for a rebound game after a poor performance versus the Lutonians. And ladies and gentlemen, that is a pod. Thank you very much for joining us this week. We are super thrilled to be in your airwaves and to keep growing the game. 
across the FPL USA community and abroad as well. So Dan, I got to give kudos to you for landing this white whale over here. This Mr. Andy North guy, he knows what the fuck he's talking about. So he's, he's making us look good. And uh, yeah, we greatly appreciate the time. So maybe a plug for all the things that you do and where people can find you, Andy, would be great. Uh, yeah, so uh, you're more than welcome to come and join us for ScoutCast on a Monday. Uh, we do that every Monday, me, Rich and Seb. So welcome to join us there. And every now and again, I get to go on Black Box with, uh, with Mark and Az as well. So uh, you can join us for Black Box or the Late Tackle, which we do on a Friday as well. So uh, you're more than welcome to come and watch us there. Ooh, are you going to be on this week to slay as? I mean, we, we're going to have to uh, cut him down a couple more pegs, right? I think I might be tomorrow night. So we will wait and see. I mean, I literally tried my best to be on it because I could not miss that. So yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. Those, those rivalries <laughs> you have with some of your other friends in the content creating community. Um, man, when you when you smash him in a game week, 30 points you had more than him this week. So you got you to gotta shout that out and make sure he knows it exactly oh i'll be making sure he knows it don't you worry all right that has been a great podcast as brian said we are the fpl usa press play podcast you can find us on social whatever platform you prefer and i'm at fpl usa bucks brian is at fpl usa brian black wolf he's the outlier he's the brit in the mix he's at fpl underscore black wolf and andy one more time for the listeners in the back where can they find you on socials? Uh, yeah, at FPL mode on Twitter. Legend. Thanks. Thank you so much for making time to join our humble podcast. It's been great banter and really fun. And let's all get green arrows next game week. No more slagging Brian. He's uh, between him and Dan suffering with wolves and the VAR injustice. Uh, we all deserve some big smiles in game week 12. 